letter one of the outcast this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by expatriate in bangor maine the outcast by william winwood reed letter one my dear frank i welcome you back to your native land and take it for granted that you and ellen are tired enough of travelling life in a strange country is always artificial it seems to me like being at a play and constant change becomes monotonous after a time i hear from ellen that she intends to stop in london a week before joining you at home and i shall reserve till then my latest budget of news about the tenants and the harvest and the pets and the penny readings etc just now i can think of little else but the tragedy at dr scott's some account of which no doubt you have seen in the papers but i will tell you the whole story arthur elliot was the only son of a wealthy landed proprietor one of my nearest neighbours and a brother magistrate arthur had a most amiable nature and was tenderly loved not only by his parents but by all who knew him intimately his attainments were remarkable as i can testify for we read much together he was an excellent classical scholar but his favourite study was that of metaphysics from which he was led to the study of natural science but religion was the poetry and passion of his life and though of a different belief it afforded me pleasure to hear him discourse on the grandeur and benevolence of god sometimes when we were together in a deep green wood on a sultry summer afternoon or sometimes walking at night beneath the glorious starlit sky or sometimes when reading the dialogues of plato some divine thought rising from the book like an immortal spirit from the grave and passed into his soul then the tears would stream from his eyes and falling on his knees he would utter praises or prayers in words of surpassing eloquence and with a voice of the sweetest melody and often how well i remember it now often at such times his gestures grew wild and almost furious his utterance was choked and a strange bubbling sound came from his mouth dr scott who was present on one of these occasions watched him i thought with an air of anxiety and i heard that he advised the elliots to take away their son from his books and send him abroad with a travelling tutor but arthur disliked the idea of leaving home and his parents did not urge him to go believing that the danger was imaginary so he remained and things went on as before one day he came to me in trouble he had been reading the great work of malthus the essay on population and said that it made him doubt the goodness of god i replied with the usual commonplace remarks he listened to me attentively then sighed shook his head and went away a little while afterwards he read the origin of species which had just come out and which proves that the law of population is the chief agent by which evolution has been produced from that time he began to show symptoms of insanity which disease it is thought he inherited from one of his progenitors he dressed always in black and said that he was in mourning for mankind the works of malthus and darwin bound in sombre covers were placed on a table in his room the first was lettered outside the book of doubt and the second the book of despair he took long solitary walks in the most secluded parts of the estate and was sometimes seen gesticulating to the heavens sometimes seated by the wayside plucking grass 
and casting it from him with a strange tremulous movement of the hands it was in vain that his good parents and the rector attempted to soothe his troubled mind with the hopes and consolations of a future life he said that a wrong was always a wrong and that no reward could atone for unmerited punishment it was then i thought it right to express my own opinions on the subject of theology but though arthur could cease to love and revere he could not cease to believe i have often observed that men of powerful intellect especially those of the poetic constitution find it almost impossible to shake off the faith which has been taught them in their childhood in arthur's case the boldest spirit of inquiry and a remorseless power of induction was allied to a rigid habit of belief if he could have closed his eyes in common with so many inquirers to the barbarous element in nature or simply dismissed it from his mind after a brief period of discomfort he might have continued to believe in the god of his imagination and preserved his happiness if on the other hand unable to escape from positive fact he could have given up or doubted ever so little the dogma of a personal creator he would i believe have finally found repose as it was he fell into a most deplorable condition his god had never been an abstraction but a father and a friend and now by ever brooding on the subject by ever directing his thoughts towards this imaginary person he actually felt its presence as the hermit in the desert after months of contemplation as the cenobite in the solitary cell but with him it was not love and devotion it was anger and hatred which kindled the dangerous fire in the brain inspired the vision and forced him to commune with the shadow of his mind he spent much of his time with me and at last i wearied of his complaints i told him that it was useless to repine against the inexorable that after all there was more good than evil in the world if we went the right way to find it and that if he sympathized so much with the miseries of men he should try to mitigate them instead of pouring forth idle lamentations he looked at me sadly and embraced me resting his head upon my shoulder he never spoke of his troubles again and i often repented of my harshness but not long afterwards we all thought that he was saved he became betrothed to a lovely and charming girl miss lillian moore who was visiting at the rectory she seemed to possess some tranquillizing power her eyes were calm and deep and goodness was written in every feature of her face she saw that arthur required occupation and asked him to compose some stories to amuse her he complied and wrote a number of tales in which the trees and flowers and rocks and animals were his characters and heroes these stories were fanciful quaint and humorous and several being published in the magazines attracted notice from the press arthur received more than one flattering offer from london publishing firms and began to show himself ambitious of literary fame he had now quite recovered his health and happiness he saw lillian every day but ah frank how shall i tell you the dear girl caught an infectious fever from nursing a sick child in the village and died arthur went to the funeral but sat a little way off on the tombstone plucking the grass and casting it from him with the strange movement of the hands i mentioned before as the service was ended the clock struck twelve he got up and said the wedding will be late and approached the grave which had just been filled up then he flung himself upon it with fearful shrieks and curses against the supposed author of the world 
when people attempted to lead him away he dashed them to the ground with superhuman strength yet even in this fearful attack of mania he seemed to recognize his father and only shrank back from the aged hands caressingly placed upon his arm he was taken to dr scott's private asylum which was but a little way from the church and in a few days ceased to be violent asked for his papers and books and having obtained them studied from morning to night he appeared perfectly quiet and contented but every night when the church clock struck twelve he opened the window of his room which was on the ground floor murmured the name of lilian folded his arms upon his breast as if he had embraced her and kissed the air then with the connivance of his servant he sprang out of the window and walked to the churchyard followed by the man who at least never let him go out of his sight all the while he conversed as if with lilian in the most animated manner and having reached the grave made movements with his hands as if covering her up after which he said good-night in a cheerful voice and returned these promenades were of course discovered in time arthur was carefully watched the servant was dismissed the windows were barred nothing else could have been done yet there is too much reason to fear that this restraint proved injurious when the hour of midnight drew near he became uneasy and restless and when prevented from going to the window fell into a state of dejection he no longer slept well and was often troubled with visions and dreams one morning when he awoke he sat up in bed and laughed till the tears ran out of his eyes he sent for the doctor and told him he had found it all out and when asked to explain what he meant replied that it was an original idea a most important discovery and that he should send it to a magazine if i told you what it was he continued you would keep me here all my life and pass off my idea on a deluded public as your own the doctor to humour him replied that he was incapable of such malpractices ah well replied arthur at ordinary times and in ordinary cases no doubt you are an honest man but here the temptation would be too strong but i don't mind telling you my title it's a new thing under the moon he then burst out laughing again and rubbed his hands together with glee in the afternoon he became violent said he should throw up his part and tried to spring out of the window dashing himself against the bars he was placed in a padded room the next day he was quiet as usual and asked for paper and ink but as the doctor wished to get him to sleep of which he stood in much need this request was refused at first he seemed angry then shrugged his shoulders and smiled it was afterwards found that he had a notebook and pencil in his pocket at ten o'clock p m he appeared drowsy but said that he could not sleep with people in the room and dr scott told the attendants to go outside but to look in from time to time in an hour or so he seemed to fall into a sleep which was probably assumed and the vigilance of the watchers was relaxed but in the grey hour of the dawn they heard a struggle in the room and a choked kind of cry they pushed the door but it had been secured from within by a small piece of wood wedged in underneath they forced it open at last and the body of the unfortunate young man was found hanging from the window bar life was extinct on the table was a notebook in which he had been writing dr scott has just sent it over and advises me to read it so in my next letter i may give you an account of its contents such dear son-in-law is the sad history of arthur elliot
End of letter one. Recording by expatriate in Bangor, Maine.